If you can, just take up your Bibles quickly. I believe the atmosphere is already set for the word of the Lord. I want us to go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want us to look at verse number 13. I want y'all to know that I'm so blessed to have each of you in my lives. Every time I see your faces, I receive strength just to see everybody walking in the sanctuary, smiles on their face, and especially in the season in which we're in. You give me great strength. I'm blessed as a pastor, not because of the numbers, not because of uh, the edifice that we have, not because of um, of anything else, but other than that I'm made glad by, by your lives that are still strong in God. Amen. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 13. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. And the Bible reads as thus, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Somebody shout action. Keep sober in spirit, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I, I want to minister from this subject this morning, a mind in refuge, a mind in and refuge. I don't know about anybody else, but this is a season where we need our minds to be found in refuge. Somebody say safety. safety. A mind that is easily attacked by the enemy is a mind that is easily accessible to the enemy. So many of us who feel like the enemy is always attacking our minds, it may be a sign that your mind is too accessible to the enemy. And herein lies one of the reasons why the enemy consistently wins the battle against the minds of many believers. Because many believers fail to put barriers around their mind. Uh, we know how to put barriers around folk. We know how to put barriers around our business, but we don't know how to put barriers around our minds. And this is why it's critical to understand that the effectiveness of the enemy's attack on the life of a believer is dependent upon the, the enemy's level of access in the life of a believer. Uh, the only reason that the enemy is so effective is because he has too much Access. Somebody shout access. So here's a word of wisdom. The enemy is not concerned about your anointing as long as he has access. The enemy is not concerned about your spiritual gift if your life is not guarded. And watch this. The enemy is not concerned about how spiritually deep you are if you give him a door. Many of us think because I'm so deep in the spirit, because I'm so, I, I've got all these gifts on my life. Watch this. He does not care about your anointing as long as he has access. Somebody might be saying, how do I know? Consider what the enemy told the Lord concerning Job in Job 1 verse 10. I don't know if it's on our screen, but I want you to write that down. Notice what the Bible says. Have you not made a hedge around him? This is the enemy speaking to God concerning Job around his household and around all that he has on every side. And I need us to remember what God said about Job in Job 1 and 1. He said that Job was blameless. He was upright. He was a righteous man. So in other words, the enemy does not care about the righteousness of Job as long as the Lord had removed his refuge 
So many of us think because I'm so righteous, because I'm living for God, that nothing of that the enemy does is going to prosper in my life. But if you have not a refuge, tell your neighbor the enemy will win. The enemy will win. So the enemy was saying, no, just remo remove this refuge because I don't care about his righteousness. The enemy doesn't care about your anointing. He cares about get gaining access. Therefore, the critical question we must ask ourselves is, how much access does the enemy have to my mind? That, that, that's the question I got to ask myself, not, 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 not how I know how to speak in tongues, not how many scriptures I know, but how much access does the enemy have to my mind? And this is why the apostle Peter warns us in first Peter um, chapter five that the enemy is seeking whom he may devour. He never says he's seeking how those that are not saved that been saved that long. He's not saying I'm not seeking those who don't know how to speak in tongues. He's not saying that I'm not seeking those that feel like they can labor in the spirit. He say he's just seeking whom he may devour. This means that the enemy, watch this, his attacks are steadfast. I believe it's on our screen. That means his attacks are consistent. Somebody say consistent. That means the enemy's attacks are strategic. Somebody say the enemy is cunning. And not only that, the enemy is selective in his attacks. That means he attacks those that aren't careful. Ooh, tell your neighbor the enemy ain't playing. So hear this. Uh, this is why we must ensure that our minds find safety or in other words, refuge in our pursuit of cultivating a mind like Christ. We must remember that we if we desire to preserve our minds for Christ, our minds first must be protected from the enemy. You'll never have the mind of Christ unless your mind is first protected from the enemy. Therefore, the critical questions we must ask ourselves is how do we protect our minds from the attacks of the enemy? How do we create a refuge or a place of safety for our minds? I believe the apostle Peter reveals the answers to these questions in our foundational text. And I need us to see something. It's important to note that we find Peter writing this epistle to believers who were dispersed. Somebody say void of community. Verse number one says to those who reside as strangers or scattered. So they did not have, uh, it sounds like a season that we're in now in the midst of a pandemic where many of us are longing for community. But he was speaking to believers who were void of community. He was speaking to believers who were distressed. Somebody say void of confidence. Verse number six says you have been distressed by various trials. Their hope was shaken. And it was also talking to believers who were attacked by the devil. Somebody say void of comfort. Verse number seven says they were tested by fire. Yet in verse number 13, in first Peter chapter one, Peter admonishes these believers that despite their lack of community, despite their lack of confidence, even despite, despite their lack of comfort, that they could still find refuge. Somebody may be saying, what are you trying to say? In other words, your physical situations should never dictate the safety of your mind. That means I can go through whatever I'm going through in life and still have a level of safety. How can Peter say that these um, believers were distressed? They were void of comfort, community, and even void of, of, of confidence. But he says your mind can still be kept. Tell your neighbor your mind can still be kept. 
I, I never, I, you know, I get, I, sometimes I counsel believers that say, you don't know what I've been through. I may not know what you've been through, but I know a God that can keep you. And we've got to know that despite what the enemy tries to take us through in life, God can still keep my mind. Tell your neighbor, my mind can still be kept. In all situations, your mind can find safety from the enemy. And if we can create, watch this, a place of refuge for our minds. And I believe we can glean wisdom from the Apostle Peter from our, in our foundational text that we can find refuge for our minds. So here's what I want to do. I want to walk the text and I want to be out your way. Hey, I know I, I, I'm not. You, I, I'm going to say this because I want to say this before I get into my text. Can we give God a hand clap of praise for Miss Cindy? Miss Cindy, I know it's not your birthday yet, but I just want you to know her birthday is coming up, y'all. She's, I, don't, I know you aren't supposed to tell women age, but listen, she, she just blessed. Somebody say she blessed. It's no favoritism, but I love you, um, Deacon and Cindy. So grateful for who you are in God. I pray the Lord continues to keep you and bless you. And I know I'm just saying this because I saw them. Hey, Tasha and James, I love y'all too. It's good to see you in the sanctuary. Uh, verse number 13, I want us to look at the first portion. The Bible says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. I need us to understand this. The believer that consistently treats spiritual warfare passively is a believer whose mind will always consistently be unprotected. If I treat spiritual warfare passively, my mind will always be unprotected. And I know we done probably heard um, sermons about spiritual warfare and teachings about spiritual warfare. I'm going to get y'all right this morning because y'all probably heard some stuff that was not biblical. Because a believer watches unprepared for battle will always be unprotected. Tell your neighbor, I've got to be prepared for battle. And herein lies one of the reasons that the enemy consistently gets victory over the minds of believers is because many believers treat the enemy with contempt. Uh, in other words, somebody may be saying, what do I mean? We treat the enemy simply as annoying rather than an adversary. We treat the enemy only as a tempter, watch this, rather than a threat. And we treat the enemy simply as wanting to deter us rather than one who wants to produce our death. Tell, tell your neighbor the enemy is greater than that. Ah, we have to stop living life like the enemy is just unkind to us and he's really trying to kill us. Many of us say, oh, the devil is always busy. He's picking on me. No, he's not trying to pick on you. He's trying to kill you. Tell your neighbor he's trying to kill you. And we, and we treat spiritual warfare so passively. Huh? We must always be mindful. Watch this of what the Lord declared in John 10, 10. I believe it's on our screens. Notice what the Lord says concerning the enemy. This is Jesus, y'all. This is the Savior. He says the enemy comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. Somebody may be saying, why is this significant? Because in the natural victory in battle is highly dependent upon knowing and understanding the strategy and the intent of the enemy that I'm fighting. You'll never get victory in the battle if you do not know the strategy or the intent of the enemy. Oh, so I've, I've, in other words, we must be both aware and alert of the enemy's intentions. Somebody say that spiritual warfare. 
The only way that I can get victory in spiritual warfare is when I'm aware of the enemy and alert of the enemy. This is why Paul said it's not good that we be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And I shared this in my introductory sermon that the enemy wants to penetrate poison and have power over our minds. He's in the business of that, y'all. The enemy does not want to play with our minds. He wants power over it. And watch this. Hear this. You'll never protect that which you do not know the enemy is trying to penetrate. Y'all know that? I'll never put a level of effort in my marriage if I don't have a level of awareness that the enemy is trying to penetrate my marriage. And many of us, the reason why the enemy gets access into certain areas of our lives is because we're not aware and alert. Tell your neighbor, the enemy is trying to kill me. He's trying to kill you. And this is why a foundational text, here's the first point I need us to understand before I get a little bit too happy. Uh, If we want to create a refuge for our minds, we've got to guard our minds with all diligence. And this is why a foundational text reminds us with these words, Prepare your minds for action. And it's not that we operate in fear of the enemy, but that we do need to be prepared to fight the enemy. I don't operate in fear of the enemy, but I need to always be in a posture, somebody say, to fight. I know y'all don't, listen, I know y'all might not fight today, but I should always be ready to fight. When I know my, back in the day when I knew my homeboy had a problem and we was going somewhere, I know it wasn't my fight, but I should be prepared to fight. Listen, so, 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 so we have to think of it in this way as well. Uh, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, when you can't fight, I need to be prepared to fight for you. And many of us allow our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ to go into battles unprepared. Because when I'm aware of what the enemy is trying to do in your life, even when you're not prepared to fight, I'm prepared to fight for you. And see, many churches have got it twisted because we've allowed believers to fight alone. Oh, that's a sad tragedy. We must live with a constant awareness and alertness of the enemy's plans concerning our minds. Notice what Paul warns us with these words, and I just said it earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That means the enemy's advantage is made possible when we're not aware of the enemy's plans. The only way that the enemy has advantage in my life is when I'm not aware of his plans. And listen, if you're not aware of his plans, at least be aware of his presence. Did y'all hear that? And this is why many of us get so lackadaisical in our walks with God. Because we don't, because watch this, he'll leave us for a season. So then because we think that the enemy doesn't have plans concerning our lives, the Bible says that when Jesus went in into the wilderness and then after he had been tempted and, and Jesus gave him scripture, the Bible says he left, the enemy left for an opportune time. That means he was waiting for a moment to attack. So even when I'm not aware of the enemies, I don't need to be a prophet, but I do need to be aware of the enemy's presence. And he will always attack us. Somebody say, when I let my guards out. See, this will get you in trouble when you let your guards out. You think you've been saved for just too long and you think I'm all right. And you let your guards out. You think that you love your boo so much that I ain't got to bring her flowers no more. Somebody say, I let my guards out. 
And that when I don't bring a flower, somebody else will. Let, let, let your guards down. Uh, and watch this. For many, it's not the battle against your mind was so intense. You lost the battle because you were ignorant. Somebody say unaware. I mean, I, I believe I put that up there. Oh, we need to see that. Yeah, yeah, many of us think the battle was so intense, but we were ignorant. You were not aware of his plans against your mind. So here's what I'm saying. As believers, we've got to be aware. Y'all might be saying, Pastor Keith, be aware of what? What plans of the enemy are our minds subject to? I've got to be somebody to say, be aware. What plans of the enemy are our minds seduced by? I said this on last week. Somebody say, what does my flesh like? I've got to know that. I've got to at least be aware. It may not be his plan in this season, but I need to be aware of what my mind is seduced by. I told my wife, we're trying to do this whole healthy tip. We're trying to get back on it. And I got, I got some juice last night and I shouldn't have got the juice. And she reading me the label, the content label. You see how much sugar you putting in your body? And I had to be, y'all, many of us take that and think that's a comical thing. But the enemy can use that sugar to kill me. This is why you got young pastors. They so big. They need somebody to help them up on the pulpit. The enemy is using that, watch this, not to play with them, but to take them out. And I've got, and many of us, that's why I say we get so lackadaisical and thinking that the enemy is just here to play with us, just to tempt us. No, somebody say the enemy is a threat. My baby was reading the labels, but I had to realize the enemy could use that for plans against me. And then we also got to say, what plans of the enemy are our minds easily surrendered to? What's the thing that when you get on your mind, it's hard to say no to? I've got to know that. All right. Because watch this. This is what Peter said. He said, prepare. Not that the attack is imminent. Not that the attack is in front of you. But I've got to prepare like the attack is on the way. So even though the enemy may not be doing nothing in my life yet, I better know what my mind is easily surrendered to. I know I'm talking about me this morning, but my wife, she said she went through my Facebook page a long time ago. Somebody said a long time ago. And she said, I know what you like. I know you like red girls. I know you like a little girl with a little shape. She said she know all that. I've got to know that as well. Y'all think it's a game? I've got to know that as well. Because the enemy can use that, watch this, to kill me. I'll be up here preaching today and I'll be at the courthouse on, on tomorrow. She'll be taking me to court. Got papers. Because I, I did not know what my mind would easily surrender to. Because watch this. The enemy's attack has no advantage. Watch this. Over the believer that is aware. All I've got to do. I've got to stuff those things in my back pocket. And somebody say be aware. And, and stop trying to act like you so saved that you ain't got nothing that you easily surrender to. And that's what get us in trouble. So the critical questions we must ask ourselves is, am I aware of what comes into my mind that makes me subject to fall? Am I aware of what temptations that my, that my mind is easily seduced by? And am I, am I aware of what vices my mind will easily surrender to? Ask your neighbor, are you aware? Are you aware? 
And this is why Proverbs 4.23 admonishes us to keep your heart. In other words, I should have made mention of this in my introductory sermon. Whenever you see heart um, or mind in the Bible, many times it's easily translatable to mean mind. Somebody say mind. So in other words, the, the writer in the, in the text is saying, keep your mind with all diligence. And one Hebrew translation of the word diligence means watchful. Because the believer that is watchful over their minds is the believer that is prepared to win the war against the enemy over their minds. I've got to watch what enters into my mind. I've got to watch what is my mind is easily seduced by. Somebody say, I've got to be watchful over my mind. You got to be watchful for what your mind entertains. You've got to be watchful. And many of us are not watchful over that. Somebody say, I've got to be aware. And this is why if we want our minds to be found in refuge, then we must guard our, heart, our minds with all diligence. So the first thing I need us to know, if we want to create a refuge for our minds, we've got to guard our minds with all diligence. Somebody say, at least be prepared to fight. We've got to be prepared to fight. I know you're not hood, but you need to be prepared to fight. And you know, when you, watch this, even when you're not hood and you don't know how to fight, if you get in a fight, you got to do all you can to win that fight. So if I got a gra- if, I, if I got a scratch, if I got a bite, I got to do whatever I got to do. Somebody say, be prepared. Know what you do well. Did y'all hear what I just said? You may not fight like me, but you got to know what you do well. You may not be able to pray like Minister Chantel, but I got to know what I do well. I may know how to call on the saints to pray for me. I got to know what I do well. If it's one scripture, I need to quote that scripture because I know how to do that well. I'm not trying to compare myself or compare myself with another with how they fight, but I at least need to know what I do and do it well. So notice this, the Bible says this in the next portion, to keep sober in the spirit. Hear this, your degree of communion in the spirit will determine um, where and how your mind is confined. Stay with me. Uh, Somebody may be saying, why? Because we can only receive refuge to the degree of our proximity and presence in refuge. You can only receive refuge to the degree of our proximity and our presence in refuge. I need us to stay with me. And I'm coming to that slide so y'all can see what I'm talking about. This is why Peter admonished believers to keep sober in the spirit. Even more, this is why throughout the Psalms, we find the psalmist constantly acknowledging God as their refuge and their refuge in God. And I put them on the screen. Notice this in Psalm 62, 7. The psalmist says, my refuge is in God. Somebody shout in. And Psalm 141, 8 says, oh God, the Lord in you, I take refuge. Somebody say in. And Psalm 144, verse 2 says, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge. Somebody say in. That's a critical word. So so here's, in other words, what I'm trying to say. If our refuge is found in God, then our minds will never receive refuge if we don't spend time with God. Your minds will never find refuge in God if you don't spend time with God. Somebody say, spend time with God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that may be too simple for somebody. But if our desire is to find our mind in refuge, here's what I'm trying to say. We must find our time in devotion with the God of refuge. So if I want to guard my mind in refuge, I've got to guard it with devotion. With devotion. So here's some critical questions we got to ask ourselves. 
Do I spend time with the God of refuge? If you feel like your mind is under attack, you need to ask yourself, do you spend time with the God of refuge? In other words, and if you do spend time with the God of refuge, how do I spend time with the God of refuge? And and hear this, how much time do I spend with the God of refuge? And here's what I need us to understand. It is both the quantity and quality of your devotion with God that determines your level of refuge in him. Did y'all hear what I just said? Because y'all don't like that. It's both the quantity and quality of our devotion with God that determines our level of refuge in him. him. It's not quality over quantity. You know, we've heard that before. Somebody say it's both. How do I know? Pastor Cole just um, said this, this morning. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. Somebody say stayed on you. And these are minds that are constantly spent in the spirit and sensitive to the spirit. Is your mind spent in the spirit and sensitive to the spirit? In other words, this is a type of devotion where believers long to be with God and that they, they are always open to listen for God. So when I'm talking about spending time with God, does your heart always long to be with him? That's a question you got to ask yourself. And are you always sensitive to hear from God? I've got to be listening for God. Somebody say that type of devotion. That, that, that's the kind of devotion that's going to keep our minds in perfect peace. Because you, once you stop longing for God and stop listening for God, your mind becomes vulnerable to the enemy. Did y'all hear what I just said? The, the, time, the moment you stop longing for God, because watch this, when that void is gone, the enemy is going to be quick to fill it. So as soon as I stop longing for God, the enemy is going to come in to try to fill that void that you have now removed. And when I stop listening for him, the enemy is going to start speaking in my ear. So I've always got to be a posture in my life. Well, God, I long for you. I ain't saying that you're praying 24-7. I'm not saying that you're worshiping 24-7. I'm not saying that you're listening to worship music 24-7. But your heart should always long for him. And, I, and, and watch this. We've got to get in this a, a different posture where I don't just listen for God at church. But I'm always in a position where God, if you got something to say, cause me to be sensitive to what you're saying in this moment. And because watch this, y'all know how folks say stuff just popped up in my mind. Somebody say that ain't always God. It could be the enemy. Watch this. I heard Dr. Matthew Stevenson coin it this way. Many believers are defeated in devotion. And here's a sad reality. For many believers, there are those who spend more time with Satan rather than in the spirit. In other words, we spend more time longing for sin and listening to seduction. We're longing for sin and listening for seduction. Somebody say not spending time with the God of refuge. And somebody may be saying, why is this significant? Because your time devoted to God keeps us in the place of refuge. And that includes our minds. Notice what Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 through 7 says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice this. The writer here, um, Paul is saying not just through prayer. He says by prayer. 
not just through petitions, what I, what I send acts of God, not just through my communion with God. Um, it says supplication, and not just um, um, with thanksgiving, but it says also this praise to him. Uh, we find our hearts then guarded in him. Uh, that means I can, as long as I can devote myself to a time of prayer. I can devote myself to a time of petition. I can devote myself to a time of continual praise to him. My mind will always be guarded in him. That's good news, y'all. And listen, sometimes we make this so deep, but there's times where I go throughout my day and all I say is thank you, God. Just in a pause in my day. And that keeps my heart always longing for him. I, when, when I know that, that, that something is trying to trouble me on my job, I ain't got to be deep and get no prayer cloth. All I got to do is say, Lord, keep me. I, and when I want to say something that I know should not come utter out my mouth, when somebody cuts me off in, while driving, I got to say, God, um, tell me the words to say. That keeps my heart always postured. Watch this. In devotion. It ain't, tell you, neighbor, it ain't got to be that deep. I just, I just want to make sure that my heart is always longing and opening to listen to God. And here's a word of wisdom. I'm going to say something that may hurt somebody's feelings. Your level of devotion reveals your desire for God and the things of God. In other words, God should never demand the devotion of a true disciple. Do you, did y'all hear what I just said? God should never demand my devotion. If I'm a disciple, I should always be longing for him. So here's, here's what I'm trying to say. If you're inconsistent in your devotion, you may want to question the integrity of your discipleship. And many of us, are, we think we're disciples, but say, actually, are you really a disciple? If we want our minds guarded in God, then our heart's desire must be of Psalm 1-2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates both day and night. Because a believer's mind and refuge is reserved for a believer found in devotion. I'm almost out your way. If I want to guard my mind, I've got to guard it with all diligence. Somebody say, be prepared to fight. If I'm going to guard my mind from the attacks of the enemy, I've got to guard it with devotion. I've got to always be longing for him and listening for him. And here's the last portion of our text. The Bible says, set your hope completely on the grace. This may be too simple for some of us to receive, but the enemy is not equipped to win the war against your mind. I need us to hear that. This, I know this may not seem, y'all don't know, you don't know, Pastor Keith, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how the enemy is wrecking havoc on my life. I want you to know that the enemy is not equipped to win the war against your mind. He's not equipped. Tell your neighbor, he's not equipped. And somebody may be saying, how do I know? Because there is a grace on every believer, that believer's life to be guarded. Somebody may be saying, what do I mean? This grace that we've all been graced with does not stop the attacks, but this grace ensures that the attacks don't accomplish what the enemy wants them to. So that means that the attacks may be produced, but they will not prosper. I've got to know that that kind of grace is on my life as a believer. This is, why the, this is why the Lord says that anyone that the Father puts in my hand, no one can snatch away. Tell your neighbor, my life is guarded. And here's, that's good news. Notice what our foundational text says. Set your hope completely, somebody say completely, on the grace. 
We must have complete confidence in the grace of God on our lives to cover our minds. In other words, we must guard our minds with a dependence on his grace. Uh, we've got to be able to declare, as a songwriter declared, I don't believe he's brought me this far to leave me. I, I've got to be able to declare, because y'all know we can go through stuff that we feel like God has left us. And here's what the enemy is really trying to say, that grace has left your life. And I've got to be able to tell myself that my life has been grace. My life has been grace. In other words, it's been guarded. So no matter how difficult this is, my mind has been grace. No matter how much distress this is causing me, my mind has been grace. No matter how much depression wants to take hold of me, somebody say, my mind has been grace. Listen, some folk that, that call you crying, I've, I've got a new phrase for you to tell them. Tell them you have been graced. You've been graced for this. Y'all, we can, we can stop wasting so many hour-long phone calls, going to lunch and trying to counsel folk and let folk know that your life has been graced. If you're, if you're a believer, your life has been graced. Oh, that's good news to me. Because watch this, no matter how saved you are, there will be situations that will challenge your mind. And we must be able to say his grace is sufficient. And this is why after, listen, I was talking to my wife while driving home and not to get into any specifics. I said, God, man, God has covered you. If, if somebody looked at her life from the outside, they'll say she got it all together. She just, I mean, how does she do this? She's writing books. It looks like that enemy don't bother her. But watch this. Somebody say her life has been grace. And we've got to know that as well. And the folk that lose their minds are the folk that don't believe that life has been grace. Because here's what the enemy wants to do. When we don't realize that our lives have been grace, it's not the enemy that takes us out. Somebody say, it's me. So he wants to get us in a place where we commit, somebody say, suicide. And it may not be physical, but it may be spiritual. Well, I don't do church no more. You didn't realize your life had been grace. Well, I don't do men no more. And you realize your life had been grace. The enemy does not. He knows that he cannot win. So he wants you to take your own self out. Oh, my life has been grace. That's good news to me, y'all. Uh, this is why after Paul, watch this, he prayed and pleaded with the Lord to remove this thorn from his side. Somebody say three times. The Lord told him in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, that his grace is sufficient as long as Paul would depend on his grace. This is Paul, y'all, who wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament book of the Bible. He said, I asked God, God, remove it. It's about to take my mind out. And God had to say, my grace is sufficient. I've placed a grace on your life that's going to keep you. Oh, that's good news, y'all. Oh, that I've been graced. Watch this. I'll put this on your screen. I need y'all to know that. Know this. There will be situations that you encounter in life that your mind can't fathom. There will be situations that your mind, watch this, you can't even muster up enough strength to fight. And there will be even, watch this, things that will cause your mind to even faint. And all you can do is have faith in his grace. And watch this. And if those situations have failed to arise in your life, somebody say, keep on living. Watching the situation with, with the young lady that's missing, the 22-year-old, 
I can't imagine what, what, what her parents are going through. If I couldn't, if, if I knew that my daughter went with somebody that I trusted and they came back and they were not talking. If I came back and I could not get any answers, that would be something that my mind can't fathom. Uh, it would be ending. Why since the police ain't even arresting them? I've got to depend on his grace. There's going to be some stuff, y'all, that you're going to have to deal with where you're going to have to just depend and have faith on his grace. You haven't brought me this far to leave me. And I believe we're in a season like this now. Listen, y'all, where disease, death, deception, and division is so prevalent and overwhelming many of our minds. Listen, the only reason y'all can sit in a sanctuary and praise God, even like y'all doing now, tell your neighbor, my mind has been grace. The only reason, watch this, y'all, that I could preach to a camera for over 18 months when nobody was in the sanctuary, my mind had been grace. Oh, it ain't nothing but his grace. I'm telling you, but it ain't nothing but his grace. It's not that I'm so strong. It's not that I'm so deep. It's not that I'm, I got this so um, special relationship with God because don't let folk tell you that. Somebody say it's because of his grace. Because hear this. Whenever God gives you an assignment, he also attaches grace to that assignment. And watch what the Bible says. The Bible says he'll never allow his word to go forth without accomplishing what it was set out to do. So that means that somebody say there's a word on my life. And if there's a word on my life, God's going to make sure that he's going to perform the word. So that means whenever I feel like the enemy is about to win, I've got to remind myself that there's a word on my life. And when there's a word, God has promised, watch this, somebody say, to keep it. And watch this, somebody needs to say this, not only is there a word on my life, but I am a word. Everything that comes into existence, comes into existence by a word from God. I am a word from God. The only reason that I'm birthed is because the Bible says that he knew me before he formed me in my mother's womb. Somebody say, I am a word. Listen, the only way that the word won't accomplish over your life, what God has set it out to do, is if you stop that word over your life. Somebody say, there's power and death in the life of, there's life and death in the power of my tongue. There's a word over my life. So watch this. Consider Acts 15:11. But believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we shall be saved in the same manner as they. That means your barrier from the attacks of the enemy on your mind is dependent upon your ability to believe in his grace. So here's my simple question for you. Do you believe? Somebody say, do you believe? Do you believe, do you believe that your word do you believe that there's a word over your life? Somebody say, do you believe? Do you believe? Because the barrier over your mind is going to be dependent upon if you believe. I need some folk to believe this morning. So hear this, because the grace you believe in will be the grace that guards you to include your mind. And this is why the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 84:11 that his grace, watch this, is a shield. And this is why if we want our minds to be found in refuge, we must guard our minds with complete dependence upon his grace. Even when it don't look good, I have faith in your grace. 
Even God, when it feels like the walls around me are crumbling, I have faith in your grace. Because the mind that the enemy gets victory over is a mind that is vulnerable. Y'all got to hear me. The only mind that the enemy gets victory over is a mind that is vulnerable. Somebody say without refuge. Therefore, I desire as believers that in all situations, our minds can be found safe. I know it's difficult, y'all. I know they ain't treating you right on your job. I know that he not or she not treating you right. But, but, but watch this. Your mind can still be kept. I know your losing loved ones seem like week to week, but your mind can be kept. I know you keep getting the diagnosis, but your mind can be kept. Because watch this, because a mind not found safe is where, the, where Satan gains access. I always want my mind found safe in all situations, because if not, Satan gets access. And this is why we must guard our, our minds with all diligence. Our minds with all devotion and our minds with complete dependence upon his grace. But notice this. I believe we find an even greater comfort in our foundational text concerning our minds and refuge. Consider the last portion of our text. The Bible says to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This means despite the devices of the enemy, when we make efforts to guard our minds, our deliverer will always manifest himself. Did y'all hear that? We have a great deliverer. God says, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm going to put this all in your hands. But what this reveals is your level of trust upon my that, that you have of me on your life. And when you can trust God, somebody say the great deliverer will always show up. That's good news, y'all, because there's going to be some times where I done did all I can do. And this is why Donna McClurkin say, oh, after you've done all you can do is you just stand. Because the only reason I stand is because the, the great deliverer says that this is a battle that is not yours. Oh, that's good news to me. I don't know about nobody else. But when the great deliverer can show up, then all can be made well. And watch what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Because when you can be confident in your mind that the great deliverer can deliver you from all situations, your mind can be kept safe. Somebody say, thank God. Listen, I want to do this. I know typically I do a corporate prayer, but if there's somebody saying that the attacks on my mind have been out of control, I want you to come to this altar. I feel like I've allowed the enemy to gain access to my mind. If that's you, I want you to come to this altar. I don't want us to be shamed because in this season, I promise you, with all the death, with all the disease, with all the divisiveness, with all the devices of the enemy, I believe the enemy wants to gain access to our minds. Praise the Lord. I don't want anybody to be left out. Pastor Cole, uh, actually, Minister Chantel, can you get the oil out of my office? If the enemy has been attacking your mind, I want you to come now. Hallelujah. We bless you and honor you. Amen. Let's not let the enemy win. Come on, let's not let the enemy win. There's a grace upon your life. There's a grace upon your life. The attacks may be produced, but they will not prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know we're in the midst of a pandemic, but I feel like I need to touch your, touch your minds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Minister Chantel, would you mind praying? Hallelujah. Dear gracious Father, we just come to you, O oh God. First, acknowledging you, O oh God, that there is grace over our lives, O oh God. God, forgive us, O oh God, for not believing those things. God, we ask right now in the name of Jesus for everyone that is on this altar, everyone that is online, everyone that is sitting down that was afraid to come up, oh God. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will purify their minds, oh God. I pray, oh God, that they won't be conformed to this world, oh God, but they will be transformed, oh God, by the renewing of their minds, oh God. God, I pray, oh God, that this mind that is in them also will be in Christ Jesus, oh God. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you will help them, oh God, with their habits, oh God. Those things that do not please you, oh God. Those things that continue to plague them, oh God. Those things that continue to cause them to surrender to the enemy, oh God. God, I ask right now, you know every situation you know every burden, you know every habit, you know every temptation. God, you know every thought, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you will take it into captivity right now in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that everyone on this altar will be prepared to fight, oh God. I pray, God, that they will have on the helmet of salvation, oh God. I pray, God, that they put on the breastplate of righteousness, oh God. I pray, oh God, that they will have on the belt buckle of truth, oh God. I pray, oh God, that they will have the sword of the spirit, oh God. Cover them in the name of Jesus. Lord God, whether it's death, whether it's a diagnosis, God, whether it's a, a habit or a temptation, I pray, oh God, that you'll cover their minds. God, even as they walk out this door, cover their minds. I pray, oh God, that their mind will just continue to be stayed on you, oh God. When that thought comes to try to cast them away, oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will come and unction them, oh God, and get them back in on track and in the right path, oh God. God, your people need you in this moment, oh God. God, we can't fight alone, oh God. I pray, oh God, that you will clean our hearts, that you will clean our minds, that you will clean our spirits right now. God, I pray that they will have a yearning for your word, a yearning to your devotion, a yearning to spend time with you, a, learn to, a yearning to meditate on your word, oh God, a yearning to pray, oh God, because they are fighters, oh God. You've graced them, you've covered them, and you'll continue to keep them, oh God. God, don't let them take their own selves out. God, we bind up suicidal thoughts right now in the name of Jesus. We bind up spiritual suicide. We bind up mental suicide. We bind up emotional suicide. 
we bind it up in the name of Jesus God we pray God that your people will think on things that are lovely things that are pure things that are of a good rapport cover your people God I thank you for their courage to even acknowledge that their mind is all over the place but you are the one that will sustain them and that will keep them and for that God we are so grateful we honor you God we magnify you we adore you and I ask again God that you will cover all of them in your son Jesus name we pray amen